Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Uh, so, uh, this is an exciting day, Sam, Ziggy. Yes. Because we have uh, Tom Dorian and his hair are here. We do. He's made it. He came in from a cloud of glory. Thanks, thanks for having us back. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> I'm so glad you're, you're back. Tom was a... Uh, Thank uh, you. You were where? I don't know. You tell me. I'm sure you told everybody I was doing some kind of a retreat or rodeo or something somewhere. <laughs> you, oh, yeah. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you, you had a, uh, a sponsorship offer related to your hair, and the Vatican had to first do an ethics in- inquiry because, you know, no. there's a cause for canonization and that veneration. That was not it. He went to an invisible tattoo convention. Oh, that's right. And he's, he's got two full sleeves. Look at that. Those are They're beautiful. They are. <laughs> you can hardly see them. Uh, but anyway, that's the best stuff. kind of tattoo to get. Absolutely. All right. So we, uh, you know what? Um, I don't know how we're going to transition from that into our topic, uh, but it's an interesting topic because um, I, I love it when we get the scriptures. I say I say I love it, but I think a lot of people don't love it when we get the the scriptures that fall on Sundays, and we're sitting there going like, I don't really understand what I'm listening to here. I mean, because not that they're so difficult to understand, but it just seems like. Uh, sometimes Jesus speaks in code, and you wonder, what are they going to preach about? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's one such uh, scripture this weekend, uh, the gospel, uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. And I want to read through that and maybe just talk about it today, and we can, uh, I guess, you know, test your local clergy and see if they're going to talk about the same thing. I don't know. That'd be uh, fine. If they're going to do that or not, but uh, the, the, this if they is, don't complain, yeah. everyone should complain. <laughs> no, please don't send all your postcards to Ziggy Rodriguez. <laughs> right. um, and so, uh, you know, it's interesting that sometimes it seems like there are these random statements in the Bible. They're just this sort of random collection of sayings, mm-hmm. where maybe historians would believe that, like, I don't know, Luke had a bunch of leftover things that Jesus said, and so he threw them all into one little. Reading, mm-hmm. which, which may have happened, I don't know, uh, but I'll take the random sayings of Jesus any day, anyway, right? Because mm-hmm. they're they're definitely the word of God. But um, so let's just read through this and then and then try to figure out where the heck do you go for uh, some kind of um, uh, understanding of this particular gospel? So it starts when the days of Jesus is being taken up were fulfilled. He resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. On the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his reception there. But they would not welcome him because the destination of his journey was Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they journeyed to another village. And then it just launches right into another little tidbit here as they were proceeding on their journey someone said to him i will follow you wherever you go jesus answered him foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests but the son of man has nowhere to rest his head and to another he said follow me but he replied lord let me go first and bury my father but he answered him let the dead bury their dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of god and another said i will follow you lord but first let me say farewell to my family at home To him, Jesus said, no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks to what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. 
Okay, so again, I mean, if you, you hear all that, and, and there's there's some stuff that you might kind of get a sense for what Jesus is saying, mm-hmm. but I think the best way to understand this, the way I try to understand this particular passage, or these two um, these two parts and pieces that seem like they're kind of put together, part one is the Samaritans who don't accept Jesus. Mm-hmm. Some right? serious hatred there. Well, you know, apparently, uh, and then James and John, who are like going... Um, the sons of thunder, yeah, exactly, fire. exactly. It's like you know, uh, Lord, um, they are out of Doritos Locos Tacos at Taco Bell. Shall we rain fire upon the Taco Bell? You know, and uh, Jesus might not have rebuked him. <laughs> you know, I don't case. know, maybe, maybe. But but the point is, um, you know, there's all of a sudden this there's this not acceptance of Jesus, hmm. right? In part one, and and then part two. In my way of separating these two. Uh, consists of three parts of accepting Jesus, people who say they're going to accept Jesus. So the first part is not accepting Jesus, right? The Samaritans that say, no, we're not going to welcome you into our town. Just because you're going to Jerusalem? Well, because you're going to Jerusalem. That's right? hatred, man. That's well, like, it's like okay. a school rivalry. So there is, you know, in the world there's racism, there's bigotry, no, there's there's team players, and if yeah. you're on the other team, we're not on your team, That's and we right. there's, there's hatred, there's yep. all these disputes and things like that. And what's interesting is James and John, who are like the, the sons of thunder, as you rightly point out, are like, we're going to rain down some fire, you know, Lord, let us do that. You know, can yeah. we push the button, you know, and but Jesus doesn't. And I, I don't know why he doesn't other than he's, um, you know, well, the law of love and, and forgiveness and mercy. Um, and and I would and imagine maybe it's I don't want to read too much into the scriptures because I'm not, you know, the son of God, if you, know, you were confused at all. But. So, but I wonder if Jesus is saying, you know what, give them time. Let's not punish them. Let's give them time because a lot of stuff's getting ready to happen. Mm -hmm. And they'll have an opportunity to see who the Son of Man truly is. Makes sense. You know, Bishop Barron gives a talk in his Seven Deadly Sins, Seven Lively Virtues. And uh, one of the things that he talks about is God's anger being good news because God unlike us god is never angry for his own sake well he's not just mad at you yeah he's not he's not mad because oh i'm offended because i have this this need for validation in in the way that a lot of us sometimes can i've been offended i've been insulted uh it's if he's angry it's for our own good it's ordered towards our good and so i think the reason they were saying rain down fire was probably for maybe more of a selfish reason, right. right? That need for validation. And he had a broader understanding of what was actually ordered towards their good, and mm-hmm. it wasn't raining down fire that day. Right. <laughs> no, no, and that may be absolutely true. But there's a sense to me, I, I, I love the fact that that, that that little story is juxtaposed with the ones that accept him. Because mm. there's not really any um, winners in here but the people who are reading. Mm-hmm. And so the Samaritans don't win because they don't accept Jesus. Now, hopefully there's hope that they will accept Jesus, right? There, there's that hope. And then the three that accept him, it's not like, hey, great, so they're on the team. Really, there's four instances of not being on the team that are shown here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not. Just, so I think what Jesus is helping, when we, when we see this story about not being coming into that Samaritan village, I think that we're we're challenged to say it's not just about accepting in the village, but if we do truly accept him, I mean, if we are going to be a disciple, we're going to have some difficulties. Right. Because what Jesus does immediately is then encounter those who say, I'll 
yes, okay, sounds like a good deal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow you. Right? And then it's like, yeah, okay, so you accept me, but, but, and but. You know, we're going to have Here's these. What you're going to get. That's exactly right. And, that's, and I think that's why that's an interesting um, um, juxtaposition here. Uh, because the very first one that he uh, comes upon says, I will follow you wherever you go. So the Samaritans say you're not accepted. Then we get a guy that says, I will follow you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And and that's nice, right? That's like uh, instantly you have, here's a winner, right? This guy's going to sure. get all the stuff. But uh, we don't see what happens, what response this particular person gives to Jesus when he says these quizzical words. Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And so it, this is a, it's a quizzical little passage. And I, if you don't stop and think about it for a second, I mean, it sounds like Jesus was just watching the National Geographic Channel, right? And was kind of seeing wildlife and seeing how it works. But I, th- I think what he's talking about here is that in nature, right, the foxes have dens. They have a place they, they call home. Mm-hmm. They, the, the birds of the sky, they have nests. They have a place they call home where they are welcome, where they are accepted, where, where they go and they can rest and where their family is, Right. And, and the problem is that Jesus is saying the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. He doesn't have a den or a nest. And so if this person is going to follow him, he is not going to be following him into the comfort zone. Right. right? He's not going to be following Jesus into the, well, tonight we're staying at a Holiday Inn Express. We like those. We've got bonus points there. Uh, or, you know, we've got Marriott points or whatever. You're not going to a hotel when you follow Jesus. Right. You're, you're, you're going to be on that sort of long road um, uh, where you don't have a home because you're not welcomed by the world. Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. I always, it's funny because I'd always read that in terms of uh, Jesus himself being homeless, right? And in terms of solidarity with the poor. But I love the fact that taking that a step farther, because the, a lot of times we forget that the plight of the homeless is not just they're lacking in material goods, right? Mm-hmm. But also in the fact that they're rejected by society, in the That's fact right. that they're alone, the loneliness of it. And, and that we all, regardless of whether we have a home or not, if we're really following Christ, we can also step into that. We have to be ready to step into that same loneliness. See, and that's why I think it's important that this these sayings follow his non-acceptance in the Samaritan town. Because this is really helping us to understand like what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? These are going to be the challenges you're going to encounter. So it's like, if you sign up, right... Uh, onward Christian soldiers you, you, you enlist in, in Jesus' army of love and mercy you are no longer going to have a home you're no longer going to be accepted you're going to be hated and you look at the world today and what is it doing to people who are Christians what is it doing to people who, who believe uh, uh, immutable truths about, about life and, and about freedom and about right you're being pers- persecuted mm-hmm. right and so essentially this foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests is essentially saying that if you follow me, you're going to be persecuted. You're not going to be welcome. You're not going to have a home. You're not going to be comfortable. It's going to be very uncomfortable. That's a challenge. Now, we don't know what that particular uh, disciple, um, would-be disciple said, Mm -hmm. right? We we don't know specifically what, uh, how he responded, but I think maybe it's important that we don't know how he responded. I think what's important is how do we respond, Mm -hmm. right? So the, the fact that there's no response there you know, makes me think that scriptures is, is reaching down into my heart and asking Jeff, how does he respond? Are you willing to be homeless? 
Are you willing to walk with me wherever I lead and wherever that is? Because um, that's a challenge. That is a huge challenge. So um, that's that's and that's just one of them. There's two more to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, and so we're at the point in the program where we need to kind of stop and uh, uh, listen to my beautiful wife a little bit. Uh, but uh, we're going to take a break before we do that. I want to remind folks we've got a great website. Uh, we'd love for you to come and visit thecatholiccafe.com also. Also, uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter and, and like us on Facebook. And pay attention to our, our, our posts. Like them and comment on them and share them. It makes a difference. It does make a difference. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski. And this is another great moment in church history. In 1904, a humble religious brother named Blessed André Bassett began building a shrine in honor of St. Joseph in Montreal, Canada. Brother André was born into a family of ten children. He said his great devotion to St. Joseph came from the example of his father and the teaching of his mother. His father was a lumberjack who died in a tragic accident when Andre was only nine. His mother died three years later of tuberculosis, which left all ten children as orphans. When Andre was only 12 years old, he was forced to leave school and travel in order to find work. He wandered from job to job and eventually ended up in the United States as a textile worker. He was a diligent worker and excelled at his trade, even though he was in poor health. In 1870, he returned to Canada and applied to enter the Congregation of the Holy Cross in Montreal. With some reluctance, the superiors of the order agreed to accept him and assigned him the menial tasks in the community. Just as St. Joseph said yes to God's call and obediently consented to Christ's mission of salvation, Blessed André carried out his duties with a spirit of obedience and joy, even though they were the most humbling and tedious of tasks. His superiors kept a close eye on him, wondering if they had made a mistake in accepting him to the order. Brother Andre said, When I entered the community, my superior showed me the door, and I remained there for 40 years without leaving. Blessed Andre began to greet the physically and emotionally troubled who came to visit his community. For nearly 25 years, he received visitors for six to eight hours a day. His reputation for healings and cures became widespread. He did not like being known as a miracle worker. He once said, People are silly to think that I can perform miracles. It is God and St. Joseph who can heal you, not I. In today's modern culture, St. Joseph stands as a model for all Christian fathers. He emulates what it means to protect, provide, and nurture a Christian family. Knowing this, Brother Andre said, When you invoke St. Joseph, you don't have to speak much. You know your Father in Heaven knows what you need. Well, so does his friend, St. Joseph. Today, the Shrine to St. Joseph, built by Brother Andre, is now a magnificent basilica that thousands of pilgrims visit each year. They come seeking the same healing and renewal thousands receive from Blessed Andre during his life. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back at the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Tom Dorian and Ziggy Rodriguez, and we are 
We're talking about the difficulty for disciples that Jesus lays out in this little passage from the ninth chapter of Luke, starting at verse 51, when he goes into a Samaritan town or goes to a Samaritan town, but because he's going on to Jerusalem, the Samaritans do not accept him. Right? But he doesn't choose to bring rain fire upon them. Right. Right? But um, it's not a good situation, obviously. But then we have the situation where three people do, quote unquote, accept him. But they, but it's these conditional acceptances. Mm-hmm. And the first being, you know, I'll follow you wherever you go. And then Jesus says, yeah, but if you do, you're going to be. No place to rest no your head. No place to rest your hope, head, just like the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and then, so then immediately, um, right after that, the scriptures basically say to another, Jesus said, follow me. Um, and so there's the invitation. And so, Lord, let me first, let me go first and bury my father. Mm-hmm. Now, this one I still have a little trouble with because I think about my family and I think about my, you know, my, my mom and my dad. Now, both of them are still alive. But I, I just think that if, 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 if mom or dad died the day before Jesus came through town and said, hey, follow me. And it's like, I, I came out here to see you, but, 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 but first, before I follow you, I want to go back. And bury mom or dad, and and I don't know that uh, I don't know that Jesus is forbidding this person from burying his father, but it is a challenge to us because essentially what Jesus says is let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God, and and I think what he's trying to do there is 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 make a point or again a juxtaposition between life and death. So you're going to go and and you you're going to bury the dead and maybe he knows humanity he knows people enough to know that once you go back to to take care of that you're also going to like well then I've got to close out the estate I've got to sell the property I've got all and so you, and you become entwined or ensconced again in in that life and and Jesus is saying that's the life of death mm-hmm. right you're 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 going to die essentially you're going to go back and you're going to die just like your father did you're going to die and you're not going to be proclaiming life uh pro- proclaiming the kingdom of God as my disciple if you go back and do that mm-hmm. and and again it's it's hard cuz i don't think Jesus is telling us to disrespect our parents cuz that would be uh counteracting the 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 10 commandments mm-hmm. Was a little puzzling insofar as we know from the book of Tobit, you know what a supreme act of of, of generous love it is to to bury somebody a, de- a dead body in need of burial, right? I mean, it was it was uh, Tobit risked his own life in order to make sure mm-hmm. that somebody, uh, a Jewish person, was buried in accordance with the the right and popular custom, uh, which I think it was outlawed in his time, right? So we know in Judaism that burying the dead is a mitzvah, so to speak, right? right? And a really high one as well. And so for me, the way I, since Jesus didn't come to change a word of the Old Testament, he came to fulfill Ultimately, it. Ultimately, yes. Mm-hmm. Then I can't help but read that to say, you know, that the people who are dead are not just the, the father who passed away, but also his family members who haven't yet met Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that there are people who are going to be able to bury your father, they're dead in their sins right now. You have been given eyes to see me for who I am. They don't have eyes to see me. Let the dead bury their dead. Your father will... I think if, if, if the father was really at risk for rotting in the sun, 
Mm-hmm. I don't think Jesus would have said that to him. No, I agree, and that's why I, I think that because uh, I don't think that Jesus actually forbids him from going back and burying his father. Mm-hmm. But you think about it like what happens at a Catholic funeral, and and I think. Or, or when it's a non-Catholic funeral. I mean, we, we essentially, it's like a little launching pad into heaven for some people, right? We, we put these souls in heaven. And what's beautiful is when you hear a good Catholic homily at a funeral that essentially is proclaiming uh, the resurrection and the life, right? And, and, and not to say that, hey, this was a great person, um, and I'm sure they're in heaven now, because essentially that's those words are are empty and shallow and lost because we don't know the state of that person's soul. I mean, you, you can believe, you can have faith, and you can pray for that, and we should. But, but, but the, to me, the, the really powerful Catholic homilies are the ones that, that proclaim the kingdom of God, the resurrection, the truth and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, and Jesus Christ, you know, the resurrected Christ, and that's what we have faith in. And it's great to acclaim that, that this person in their life espoused that faith and lived that faith, and that's what we proclaim. And so I think Jesus is, is saying, it could be saying, in other words, all right, you can go back there, but don't get caught up in the whole dead thing. The, the reality is you go back and, and proclaim the resurrection. You, you pro- proclaim the truth. You, you proclaim the kingdom of God. You be that life you know, in, in, a, in someone in a town that's filled with people who are dead in their sin. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, um, but, it, but it's a challenge, a difficulty in discipling because essentially what it's calling us to do is to not to focus on the past, not to focus on our ancestors, not to focus on our, our, our property rights, our, our name, and, and, and all of these things, but to focus on our new identity as Christians and followers of Jesus. I mean, hence, you know, all the, the religious, like in religious orders that take another name. Mm-hmm. Popes that take a, a, another name. Um, it's, it's a new life. You're, you're, you're essentially born again, born into uh, essentially a new identity, right, when you live the Christian uh, life. And so I think that Jesus is saying don't get wrapped up in hereditary ancestral things that are going to hold you down, mm-hmm. right? But be released uh, in, in the kingdom of God and, and proclaim that. Um, so, again, it's a challenge because we're in a world that's not going to accept that. You can also think in terms of negative patterns that a family might have, you know, whether it's something as extreme as alcoholism or addiction or just the way they treat one another and right. stuff like that, that we can sometimes make excuses for, oh, well, that's how we talk to each other in this house. But we all know deep down that we love, you know, one another. And maybe that's true. But, you know, if Jesus might be calling us out of you know some of the less life-giving practices within that's right and there families. may there may be death in our family and we don't even acknowledge it right and that's dangerous to our eternal souls certainly so this third one is also uh, interesting to me another said i will follow you lord but first let me say farewell to my family at home now i'm i'm picturing father of nine me you know my wife's at home uh, is god jesus telling me to leave them to dump them you know, you know, and this is an interesting concept, but but because he, he responds, he says, no one who sets a hand to the plow and looks at what was left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about that for a second, you know, when they were plowing, right, and you had two hands on the plow. And the reason why you did was you wanted to plow straight lines. Mm-hmm. If you had, you know, curly cues and spaghetti plows, 
you didn't have a very profitable field, right? Mm -hmm. But if you look over your shoulder, it causes your hands to turn. You know, like if you were to look to your left while you're driving, you you will turn to the left. Mm -hmm. And you realize that's why you shouldn't be texting and all these things and distracted driving. Well, you don't want a distracted plowing either is bad. (laughs) And, and, And so Jesus is saying, don't look back. If you've made the commitment, if you've made, if you want to focus on something, focus on me. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't write a letter to his family to say, you know, where he is and what he's doing. And it also doesn't mean that Jesus is saying, leave your wife, right? That, that dump her and, and follow me. He doesn't do that. Mm-mm. Right, because actually, if you think about it, he's the one who's bringing up the whole idea of saying goodbye to the family, which, to an extent, he's giving up on them to an ex- you know, and, and saying, well, they, they don't see this guy, Jesus Christ, and know who he is. I do. And it could be that Jesus, being God, knows very well that through means other than this husband, the wife and the children are going to be uh, reached. And, right. and if he's looking back, maybe it's that he's looking back at what he could do and relying upon himself as opposed exactly. to trusting in Jesus. And I, and I think that's a lot of it, is really um, Jesus is helping us understand that if we want to be a disciple of his, we're going to have to let go of all that stuff we have in the past. Yeah. I mean, you think about it in the terms of, of like politics, when a person runs for a certain office, you know, you've got to divest yourself of certain holdings that are going to be things that might weigh upon your decision making going forward. You don't want, you want this for the good of the, the country or the state or the whatever you're running for and not for the good of yourself and so a person who's a follower of jesus who's looking back constantly looking at at where he came from and looking at his holdings and making sure that's all okay and you know then that's the person that's not trusting the lord right and they're not focused um i i i think about uh uh when i've gone to summer camp at camp kayakima in hardy arkansas many 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 years in a row went to this place and they have this bridge it's about a car length uh, car width wide and there's no railings on it and it goes over this little creek and there's like little kids you know scouts splashing and playing on one side and a beautiful little kind of trickling spring waterfally looking thing on the other side and you are really tempted when you're driving across that little bridge to look at either side and be distracted um, but your car is going to be in the in the water on if you do side. that. You have got to you've got to look straight ahead mm-hmm. and focus on the on the shore on the other side. And in, in, invariably, when you do that, you're going to make it to the shore. Right. And Jesus wants us to focus on Him and not be distracted by all the things that will pull us off of that road. Jesus, through Luke, tells us it's going to be difficult being His disciple. Uh, and you know what? I think what makes being his disciple a little bit easier is knowing we have a mama that loves us. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. St. Luke, pray, pray for, for us. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff.com at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.